0: Welcome to How to Live podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, this is Dr. Chip Dodd. Welcome to the How to Live podcast, Uncut. Today I'm presenting five common pitfalls of leaders and a series of questions following talk of the pitfalls that uh, every leader, whether it's a parent, a pastor, a physician, a lawyer, a uh, coach, needs to ask himself or herself to make sure that they're staying on track so that they can maintain and sustain the mission that they've been given to do or continue to follow and and gain success in the goals that they've set to achieve. Uh, A leader is a person who has a mission or desire of heart. It's not just a good idea, but it's something that they're emotionally attached to that they really want to get done. And because it's a matter of the heart or a matter of emotional value, the leader is compelled to do this thing, um, whether it's a, the passion of an, uh, for an invention or amelioration of pain. A leader, however, must grow in heart because it's attached to emotion, not just a good idea to see if it's something's going to work in which somebody's not necessarily invested, but because there is emotional attachment and emotional investment. A leader must grow in the territory of where emotional investment arises. A leader must grow in heart to be able to have plenty of focus, capacity, energy to maintain and sustain the mission over the long haul. And we have seen a great deal of leaders of late, of the past, and we'll see them again in the future, who lose focus because of the things we're going to talk about uh, after the break, after the presentation of the five common pitfalls. And, um, and it's a, really a nice little test. It's kind of a heart check. Um, but a lot of times uh, a leader can be mistaken for a hero or a hero mistakes herself or himself for a leader. A leader is a person who will put out a call a statement of vulnerability, a recognition that I'm headed somewhere. I'm not made to do this alone or by myself, but I'm going no matter what. And at the same time, I, I, I want others to join me because I don't want to do this alone. A leader is a person who is aware that fellowship is uh, very important, if not essential, when it comes to uh, moving towards a target, mission, fulfillment, or vision, because one, we're not made to be alone. Two, no one has all the answers. And three, um, we need somebody to be able to see what we can't see. In other words, we need many eyes to see what's behind us, help because we don't have all the answers, and fellowship because we're not made to live alone. In fact, uh, even Aristotle describes the definition of a friend is someone who has or shares our sorrows and doubles our joys. In other words, because we're created for relationship and created for connection, living in relationship gives us strength and the reason to continue to pursue. So let's go through the five pitfalls of leadership and talk about how they become entangled in us because a lot of times, like I say, that a leader uh, is actually uh, actually a uh, uh, people Think that they're dealing with a leader when actually they're dealing with a hero. A hero is a person who, uh, based even on ancient literature, a hero is a person who's extremely invested in becoming a legend more than leaving a legacy. A hero uh, very often is a child that has abilities as a, uh, a child, uh, capacities, abilities, and also uh, expectations are laid upon that person in the family of origin or in this, in the culture in which they're living to fix things they didn't break and to sort of pay a debt they don't owe. In other words, this this child looks about their lives and sees that he or she can't get their needs met and will not be appreciated unless they're performing certain tasks to uh, sort of uh, make the other people around them capable of care. So a hero gets good at that sort of thing and winds up sort of that very often becomes the profession. But with that profession becomes the same internal pressure. I have to fix things or repair things to be okay. And I have to pay for what I receive that they they live uh, pursuing the crowd very often rather than leading those who are called to follow. So let's talk about the five common pitfalls because leaders slash heroes, but leaders are people, even heroes too, are people who find a great deal of fulfillment in actually serving others. And serving others means they, they're getting to offer what they're made to do to others who can benefit from it. It's not just a martyrdom on any level, but a leader somebody who's getting to do what they're made to do and then offering it for the good, well-being, increase, growth of, of others. And so whether it's serving as a physician uh, or a, a pastor or a CEO, Many of leaders' most fulfilling moments come when they're giving their gifts, their abilities, their passion and their creativity. But so even so, though, for every person who pours out, there needs to be a replenishment because we live our daily life in limited supply. We need sleep. We need food. We also need uh, to refuel emotionally to carry on uh, and the next day. So, And I've worked with leaders for over 30 years, and these these five pitfalls that I'm about to talk about uh, became evident to me over time by watching and getting the histories of thousands of people who uh, had well-intentioned hunger to do well, serve well, but they were also looking for something to gain that they had not um, had uh, fulfilled in their past. So number one, the number one um, um, characteristic or pitfall that the leader needs to watch out for as they step into their future is that work often becomes confused with worth. Somewhere in the past, the idea of worthiness and worth became um, uh, synonymous. And a a leader must recognize that uh, his, his or her worth is an inherent um, with birth, that you have a certain amount of worth that you're born with that you're made to simply grow while containing it because you're worth the trouble. Children clearly see themselves as worth the trouble, worth the time, worth the care until they're taught somewhere along the line that their their worth, their needs, their uh, emotions, their need to belong and matter, how they're created somehow has to be paid for. So then worth becomes confused with worthiness and then a person has to continually earn their keep. Of course, we need to earn our way in terms of make a living, but earning your way, earning your keep, uh, making wages, so to speak, is not the same thing as being worth being loved. So one of the pitfalls of, of leaders is that they confuse their work with their worth. And work becomes the pathway to achieve value. And this, uh, uh, the crowd, uh, uh, they see the crowd as them having to perform for the crowd to have the, the sense of, of being uh, allowed to belong and matter. So which leads to the second. So the number one, work becomes confused with worth. Number two is, and it's, it's really more like a blend away from this first one, but the second one is performance begins to be valued more than presence. Work becomes associated with worth. I have to work to have my worth, to have my sense of the right to belong and matter. Then secondly, the, the leader looks about and sees that they are valued most when they're performing at the highest level. What happens is that they start to look around and their needs are being met when they're acting or performing or doing what they're actually really great at doing. But somehow or another, they begin to associate that the performance is a disinterest in the presence of the person. In other words, That their feelings, their needs, their desire, their longings, their hope don't really matter so much as what they do. So when a person's performance begins to be mixed up with their presence, they lose the human being and start to become a a human doing. In other words, I must do to be valuable and I'm only as good or as uh, uh, valuable as my last performance. So work is confused with worth, number one, which leads to performance matters more than my presence. That who I am doesn't matter, only what I do does. And I will not be cared about or looked to or recognized unless I'm in performance. A true performer, performance is an extraordinary thing, but the truest performer is the person who brings their full presence into what they're doing. But in this case, that a performance is is a way to substitute or counterfeit fulfillment through um, uh, doing what people expect. Number three, so number one, work becomes confused with worth. Number two, performance begins to be valued more than one's presence. And that is true for the hero development also, that you, you must blank do to be cared for versus in a healthy environment growing up, because of who you are, We expect you to go ahead and become who you're made to be and then do what you're made to do. But you're taking you with you. Number three, uh, to be an example to others, the true self is isolated in terms of uh, hidden. Uh, Because the person whose work is confused with worth and performance matters more than presence, they isolate their affect. They isolate their needs. They isolate from uh, exposing or expressing their feelings and they literally believe that unless they're an example to others around them, an example of strength, an example of power, ex- example of perfection, then the people will no longer respect them they'll no longer honor them they'll no longer, no longer care about them and they won't follow anymore. In other words, if I'm not an example, other people will fail other people will die or other people will resent and no longer be attracted to me or the mission. So so that isolation is removal from relationship and then no longer able to actually get your needs met because your your needs aren't present in relationship for that to happen. So you belong and matter based upon uh, being uh, above or superior to others instead of being like others. There is a famous story about a father, Damien. Uh, who was a a priest that served the leper community years and years ago. And when he went there, he would uh, gather the people for mass every day, and he would say, good morning, my fellow parishioners. And he was able to participate on high, dispensing uh, the word to the people in need, but it was a dispensing rather than participating and caring. And so one morning he awakened and he discovered that he had become a leper himself. He had leprosy and he went out into the crowd, went into the crowd where he could see them eye to eye, participate with them. And he began the the mass that morning with good morning, my fellow lepers. So he, he was never above them, but had still had gifts to give them. And we can receive most gifts when we know or receive gifts best, when we know that the person who's giving them is aware of what it's like to be us. It's just a, a rule of life. So number three is that the person begins to believe they have to be an example all the time and the true self of one's own needs is isolated, become disconnected from how you're made and disconnected from others who can meet you in how you're created, which leads to the fourth, The fourth pitfall, when a person is disconnected from relationship as they're created to have it, they're still in need of relationship. But what happens is they have to develop relationship in a way that others will not uh, see or can judge. So that's called the world of secrets. This person removes himself or herself from the public eye to go get their needs met in some non-relational way. So a secret is anything we do that is uh, disconnected from relationship for which we're ashamed. A secret is anything we, we keep to ourselves because we're ashamed that if other people know it, they will judge us, they will reject us, they will censure us in order to be hypercritical, or they will attempt to stop us. So a secret is a way to be uh, connected to get my needs met without people knowing that I'm in need. Uh, Those people who affect my lives or in my life will know I'm in need. And leaders are highly prone to secrecy because of the shame they have of being human. And uh, so we remain as sick as the secrets we keep, because what secrets do, they remove us from being... Uh, available through vulnerability to relationship with other people so we can actually have our needs met. Another example, if we're wearing armor, we can't be touched. So if the heart has become calloused and removed, it can't be affected. And remember, the heart of the leader has to be fed, has to be oxygenated oxygenated and hydrated so they can remain uh, fully involved in what is a good idea on a cognitive level. So we remain as sick as the secrets we keep. And secrets remove us emotionally from being known by others. And a secret says this, and it, secrets compound themselves. It's like a compounding interest. Secrets say to, say to us, nobody has to know. And then after we've done what we don't want anyone to know because of fear and shame, then it, then we say to ourselves, what if somebody finds out? So we become sort of a, a person who spends their lives hiding And it requires a level of emotional energy to do so. In other words, when I'm in a conversation, I'm watching one person and also making sure I guard what is that I can't let anyone know. So the secrets begin to drain the person, isolate the person more, set the person up to perform more. So it starts to become a vicious cycle. My work is my worth. So I've got to go to do the work. Otherwise, I feel terrible about myself. I feel like I don't belong and matter. Then I have to perform, even though my presence isn't there in it, So, which is exhausting. I always have to be an example, which means above others, to be equal to everyone. And so I'm isolated in my true self. I'm unknown. And then secrets develop as a way for me to sort of survive and stay alive by being connected to something no one knows about. And so my private life and my public persona are so separated that I'm alone. And so we know that isolation is that which kills a human life. In other words, keeps it from fulfilling its potential. And we literally know it can make us sick. And then, number five, pitfall is that people become things. Every single person around us becomes an object that is threatening or an object that is draining. Uh, in other words, people become things that we have to address as threats or, or, or uh, uh, problems to stop. Uh, And so people become the problem when actually in the very beginning, the leader was actually invested in people being part of the solution and what they were offering to the world was what would benefit people. And what they were also legitimately hoping to get back was to, to health in a very healthy way, belong and matter in the world by fully participating in it. But now this person is removed from living life on life's terms and eventually will uh, experience what is so prone to be talked about these days, burnout, depression, addiction, suicidality, anxiety problems, and just simply uh, not, not invested or energized in what they're doing. They'll become emotionally detached. Then they will experience what's called depersonalization. People become, they don't see themselves as really participating. Life's going through the motions. They're watching life instead of participating in it. And then finally, what happens is meaning and purpose begins to fade. Uh, The sense of uh, affecting the world in any way that matters, it begins to go away. So it's the disappearance of the self. So let me review the five common pitfalls and then we'll move into some questions that can lead us to some solutions. Number one pitfall is that work becomes confused with worth. Number two, performance begins to be valued more than personal presence or the presence of who you really are is not invested in your performance. You have to be an example to others. Number three, you have to be an example to others. And the result is that the true self is isolated. Number four, secrets develop that sap the leader's passion and purpose, removes them from being fully involved. And then number five, people become things. People become the problem. And so we avoid people to be okay. So those are the five pitfalls. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We now return to the rest of the podcast. Now, the next section that I'd like to talk about is what do we do about them? Let's look at a series of questions to see if you are at risk for the experiencing the pitfalls. And these series of questions um, separate the ego versus the true self. Now, ego in this list, ego is that which eases God out. And what I mean by easing God out is that we remove ourselves from being humble enough or having enough humility to face that we're human beings in need of everything other human beings are in need of to be able to grow, sustain and expand our lives into participating, into giving, into creating into being of service. So ego is uh, hiding from the self. True self is the recognition of being able to give ourselves to others because we are the same as people who are in need as others are. So here's here's the question. Remember, uh, Remember, Jesus said that unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, he was referring to himself at this point, then it cannot produce a harvest. So the the riddle there is a lot of people turn that into I must not live. What it really means is that the seed, when a seed dies, the shell is that which withers and turns into dirt. The ego is made to be dispensed with, to get out of the way so that the true self of who you really are can rise. So the ego is the face that hides the needs. The true self is where the the heart can be shown through the face. So uh, Jesus gave us this incredible key that helps unlock all forms of creativity uh, and production called the harvest. So here's the questions. Would you rather uh, be involved in 5,000 or would you rather give yourself to 50? And What I'm talking about is the story in terms of when the the fishes and loaves were shared. Jesus fed the 5,000, and as soon as he fed the 5,000, they looked at him as a a restaurant or a food supply network, and they wanted to make him king because they had food for a day. He left that uh, area and went and got in a boat back to uh, across the lake and began to attend to the fifty and those who were in need those who uh, had heart those who could could confess humility those who were sick and admitted it those who were poor and broken and were looking for the kingdom of heaven so are you invested more in the 5000 or the 50 or the 20 or the 10 number 2 is would you rather give a person a fish or a path and what i mean is would you rather Give them a fish so that you're appreciated in a moment, or would you rather give them a path so that they're able to walk towards a lifetime they're made to have? Path meaning um, what uh, Jesus called Emmanuel, which means God with us as we walk through life versus God feeds us so we won't have to be in need. So would you rather give a fish or a path? Remember, this is not a religious podcast, but it's just a beautiful example of, of how to live fully in the true self separated from the ego self or the ego. Number two, do numbers matter? Number three, do numbers matter to you or do ones matter to you? The old starfish story. A uh, starfish had washed up on the shore. A little six-year-old's out, sees the, the pain of the starfish, the, the, the needing to be back in the water, and two of them knows what pain is, too, because they haven't lost contact with it. So they recognize themselves in the starfish, so to speak. And they take the starfish to the ocean one at a time. An old man comes down the beach who's cynical about life, uh, knows that uh, not much. Uh, he's hit that vanity, vanity. Everything is meaningless. Looks at the child, goes up to the child to give the child wisdom and says, don't you know that's not going to matter? And the child looks at the starfish in, in her hand and says it's going to matter to this one and goes and puts it in the water. So do numbers matter to you in terms of that which reflects upon what what it looks like you're doing or do ones matter to you in terms of what you're being able to help them do? So ones actually become numbers, one plus one plus one plus one. But what it matters is that you're valuing the specific person receiving what they're made to have that you have to offer They benefit from it and then they go on in their lives versus numbers that reflect upon your attraction versus what they get to go and do with their lives. Number four, does you being a legend or a name matter to you more than becoming a legacy and uh, what I call the value of apple seeds? There's an old legend about Johnny Appleseed, whoever that was, uh, left behind him uh, orchards and orchards of fruit, in terms of uh, planted apple trees, and then moved on to where he was headed next. Would you rather be a name or uh, uh, be associated with apple seeds? In other words, your whoever your name was is is forgotten, but what you left behind is kept. So, just just uh, are you looking for a street being named after you, or are you looking for the capacity? that you leave fingerprints of blessings upon other people's hearts. And even though they may never know your name, they'll take with them that which will benefit others. So it's a good thing. So would you rather be a legend or a legacy? Would you rather be, even at this point, a hero, or would you rather be a leader? And then the, the next one is, are you eager or are you passionate? Are you exuberant or are you... Uh, willing to be in pain for something matters more than pain. Exuberance is the, the, uh, the idea that I'm going to go do something and I'm going to go get the results versus I'm willing to go through whatever it takes to remain headed to toward, towards where I'm going. Um, so eagerness fades and passion is that which sustains. And passion has to continue to be grown and eagerness can't be restarted once it's uh, sort of been hit in the mouth. Uh, so to speak. Would you rather do great things for God, or would you rather do things for a great God? Would you rather do great things that uh, affects a few uh, in terms of, like, that brings, like, I'm going to start this great program, and we're going to feed all these people in this starving country, and we set up this big network, and it it comes out with all kinds of recognition and a plume and a great idea and a great theory, but very little uh, food makes it to the place where you intended to take it. Would you rather do great things for God or would you rather do things for a great God? Would you rather participate in a mission that succeeds and whether or not it has your name on it again, or would you rather do things that 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 somehow or another that you're bringing attention to this mission when you're really just bringing attention to yourself. And then uh, do you see the mission of what you want to do as boundaryless, or do you see it as a war of love within the context of reality? Because if you see the possibilities of where this thing, whatever you're participating in, can go, that it's boundaryless, it really means that you don't have boundaries, that you don't know your limitations, and that you're going to wind up, Associating success with worth, the doing of it with somehow um, the, the performance becomes your identity. And we've seen a lot of athletes uh, over the years who are legends that that they only value themselves when they were valuable. And then as soon as they're no longer valuable, in other words, they're just simply people walking on the sidewalk. Uh, they... Don't, they uh, they they don't have a life, and then people who people around them won't give them a life. They become the, they see a king when actually they're just seeing another person. So a person who's a leader also has to watch out for one other thing. Um, they have to know they have to know that a true leader has a vision for something, and the vision is far off, the full completion. So they have to be careful that at the end of the day of working towards where they're headed. They cannot compare the completion of the vision to where they're standing on that end of that day because the gap will destroy them. A leader has to be willing to sustain the next step, doing one day at a time, recognizing the accomplishments of that day, resting well from that day to be prepared to get up and go do it again the next day. It's not the end result that matters as much as headed towards it As a quest. In other words, I'm never coming back to where I was. I'm always going towards where I'm headed. It's it's so that, but still it's the daily steps that keep me going towards it, not the accomplishment of it. And then how does a person, once you've gone through these questions, ego versus self, checking yourself out, let's look at the final thing is what is it that I need to be able to live Uh, sustain, sustain, maintain, and sustain uh, leadership? Well, number one, I need a mentor. I need mentors. I need uh, also equals. These are the two very important things. A mentor is a person who continues to help oxygenate and hydrate the heart. In other words, they are not necessarily the warrior or the one with the mission But they're the person who supports the mission and helps uh, elucidate, uh, hydrate, oxygenate, uh, question uh, the focus uh, and the vulnerabilities of the leader. The mentors, uh, they call a person, they call the leader to remember who they actually are. They continue to remind them that they are not self-created, that they were created before they gathered up this compelling idea. They were already created a certain way so that they the mentor helps them remember who they are by helping them remember how they're made. They are feeling, needing, desiring, uh, longing, and hoping creatures. So the mentor continues to bring them back to remembering their inherent self-worth and remembering that presence matters more than performance and that ultimately people are looking for a person's a leader's full presence or heart involved in their performance because people follow heart unless they're just simply looking for bread or a fish for the day people hunger who are really going to participate with the leader they hunger for heart a mentor also pushes the leader to relate to other leaders a mentor will will push the person who's a leader to share the struggles with other equals who are compelled and are driven towards a certain place. A mentor says, get with other leaders and tell the truth of the loneliness, the struggles, the heartaches, the difficulties, the fears, the shame, um, That the, the, the struggles of ego versus true self. In other words, they talk and process with other leaders what it's like To have a passion, to be in pain for something that matters more than pain. A leader cannot get their needs met as a leader in the leader position by people who are called to follow them. A leader has to be fed by other leaders to be able to sustain the capacity that allows them to become vulnerable with the people who follow. Also, a mentor Uh, will um, uh, push the uh, leader to be with co-equals because they can share the heartache and also celebrate the victories. The mentor also, and, uh, and also other friends, leader friends, who will also help and support the leader to continue to feel their feelings, Tell the truth about what's going on inside them and be able to give themselves to the process of knowing that a true leader is a person who is a messenger with a message more than the message themselves. The um, leader will feel their feelings, will tell the truth about their struggle, and then they will also give themselves to the process of knowing that they don't have control of the end results. They don't have control of life itself. And so that they are serving something that is greater than themselves. And in the process, they acknowledge that that they are messengers with a message and they're not the message themselves. So basically they have the freedom of knowing that they're not the authority, but they serve that which is a great idea or authorship or an authority that is actually um, guiding them. So the pressure's off in so many ways. So as we close today, uh, the five common pitfalls is review. Work becomes confused with worth. A person's performance begins to matter more than their presence. To be an example, the true self becomes Isolated. Number four, isolation leads to loss of passion and purpose, of secrecy. Number four, isolation leads to secret keeping. And number five, as an end result, people become things. So that the very intention that the leader had gathered in youth is no longer not only not sustained, but it ends up um, sort of fading out as uh, the oxygen is deprived while they're living in the cave and the suffocation finally ends what would have been an extraordinary legacy to be left behind with the fingerprints all over of people's lives that made their lives better so thank you for listening look forward to speaking with you again yeah.